with Air Cargo World. Hello, welcome to this, uh, to the latest edition of On Air with Air Cargo World. My name is Kathy Robertson and I am a, a contributor for Air Cargo World. I write a weekly column that's usually focused on freight forwarding, air freight forwarding, um, air freight, air cargo, and, um, and so on. Just a variety of topics. But lately, I've been writing a good bit on the last mile. Uh, the last mile has been uh, top of mind for a lot of uh, companies, uh, particularly as we approach the holiday season. And um, with me today is Nate Skyver. And if you remember, back in November, Nate and I chatted about the upcoming holiday season. And so this session, we're going to kind of take a look back at the holiday season. You know, what went right? What didn't go right? And what can we expect from the last mile for this quarter? So with that, Nate, welcome. And if you can, just tell us, um, just remind everybody uh, a little bit of who you are and what you do. Yes. Thanks, Kathy, for uh, for having me on again. I, it was a good chat a couple of months ago, and I think this will be a, a good one as well. Um, but uh, my name is Nate Skyver. I'm the founder of LPF Spend Management, uh, which is a parcel consulting company that works with, with clients to both help them negotiate better parcel contracts, but also uh, source the right carriers and services, which are aligns to their their shipping strategy. Um, uh, in, a, in addition, I also do uh, publish quite a bit of content, uh, actually focused on delivery, final mile, and e-commerce. So uh, it's one of the ways that uh, Kathy, you and I have have connected, and uh, I uh, try to share as, as much information on that space as I can. Thanks. And yeah, Nate does share a lot of um, of not just information, but some of the knowledge that he's gained over the years out on LinkedIn. And I encourage everyone to follow Nate. Um, it's some great information out there. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So, Nate, I am going to throw out a very general question to you. Sure. So the holiday season that just, well, we're kind of still in the holiday season, are we not? Uh, a little bit. Uh, it's definitely, I think, you know, the volume, and we'll, I'm sure, get into a lot of details on that. Uh, during the holiday season, maybe didn't materialize either quite as much as we thought, or it certainly didn't cause the issues, but uh, there, there's definitely kind of a, a spillover, I think, of, of volume into into the first quarter uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, Gift cards, I think, was one of the top uh, holiday gifts. So you've got spending there. And then, uh, of course, on the return side, there's a massive amount of returns uh, occurring right now. And so, so yes, I would say that uh, the holiday season from a parcel standpoint is is still uh, ongoing to an extent. No, I, I agree. I agree. And, yeah, I was one of those uh, that decided to give gift cards because the items I wanted to purchase weren't available. You weren't uh, alone. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, an issue with a number of retailers. I've been reading some of the um, earnings transcripts that are beginning mm -hmm. to dribble in. And our friends at Best Buy, uh, not Best Buy, excuse me, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond, 
yes. uh, really took a hit, I think, mm-hmm. um, because they came out and said that they did not have the inventory. Although they had the demand, they just did not have the inventory. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess you'd have to look further upstream as to the reasons for that. Um, you had quite a few ships sitting off the coast, uh, the West Coast. Um, yes. Yeah, I would expect that we'll we'll hear that in I would say many retailers' uh, earnings reports and earnings calls over the next uh, couple of months, depending on when they report, uh, because that I mean, it was definitely it was uh, it was very public. Uh, yeah. You know, the general public was highly aware, still is, of a lot of the supply chain uh, challenges, delays, certainly on the, on the inbound side from. An, ocean freight perspective and then uh, of course air cargo as well you know pivoting there you know doesn't doesn't make the the issues go away so so i do think the inventory availability definitely impacted you know holiday shopping uh there was a uh, adobe released their report i believe on the 12th january 12th have a hindsight of, of holiday shopping and i don't recall the numbers off the top of my head but the, the, they tracked the number of out-of-stock messages that uh, online shoppers saw, and I, I guess it just it increased exponentially. Uh, even October and November, there was a high number. So, so yes, absolutely had a, an impact on um, not just you know, holiday shopping, but uh, but package volume uh, made it a bit more, uh, let's say, unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Our friends at UPS and FedEx. Yes. How? Oh, and the post office, because we can't forget the post office. We cannot. No, no. So despite this um, lack of inventory availability, in your opinion, how well did they perform this holiday season compared to the previous one? Well, I think largely all the carriers, say, collectively uh, performed better. I think there's, uh, depending on the, the time frame within, I guess if you, if you want to say November, December, or even um, kind of Thanksgiving to the end of the year, uh, that might have, have fluctuated. Uh, you know, Ship Matrix is, is uh, a company that releases a lot of the on-time delivery uh, per- reports, and, and yeah. that varied, I think. It's a standard, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, they, they have. Uh, and, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, they do, and UPS now, just as a side note, is uh, citing the uh, ship matrix reports, which is good for ship matrix, as a uh, kind of a validation of their, their service levels, which mm-hmm. is convenient for UPS right now. But, but yeah, um, it's pretty high for them. It is, and it. Uh, I think UPS, again, they were in, say, the mid-'90s, even during, say, the lowest, I guess, periods of performance during November and December, which is on par with what, uh, according to Ship Matrix, was what they were during the same period in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also, I think, were in the high 90s, say, later in into December when that volume might have subsided. So UPS, I'll say, uh, you know, performed you know, really well. Uh, the Postal Service, certainly compared to 2020, which uh, was a, unfortunately a bit of a, I'll say, disaster, not their fault all the uh, necessarily, but um, they performed better in 2021, um, and I really do think that's you know, for two reasons. One is going back to the 
I think the first quarter of 2021, uh, USPS began to build their network. They were adding additional uh, sortation equipment, uh, even um, additional you know, sortation facilities, kind of annexes to supplement their, their current network. And, of course, like all carriers, they were hiring. They were hiring a lot. Um, I think that was a bit of an unknown going into to holiday shopping as to new peak season as to how the carriers would fare on the labor front. I haven't heard numbers about that, but uh, the Postal Service, I think, fared well uh, just overall. Uh, I didn't, you know, hear or, or see anything directly from the clients or contacts that would indicate anything remotely close to the types of delays that happened in 2020. Um, and then FedEx. So FedEx, uh, can't talk about performance, I think, without acknowledging or, or mentioning that, again, according to public reports from third parties, FedEx has continuously trailed UPS and even the USPS at times, in on-time performance. And you can say a lot of things about those metrics and mm-hmm. uh, debate either way, but uh, but I do believe, according to some of the ship majors, excuse me, ship matrix reporting, that FedEx performed largely better than they did in 2020. So that's important, uh, and I can say that some of my contacts also, who are large FedEx shippers, uh, there may have been some delays, but but nothing material to cause, say, really um, a lot of issues from a customer service standpoint. Mm-hmm. So overall, I think the, the carriers performed well, and we didn't see that publicly, which means no no news is good news, if you know what I mean. So we didn't didn't hear about those horrific delays and and all that. So uh, I think anecdotally that was additional evidence that. Uh, that they perform well. Yeah, I um, I uh, listened to the FedEx earnings uh, call, mm-hmm. which was what back in December for yeah. the period that ended the end of November, mm-hmm. and they noted that they had greatly expanded their uh, their capacity. Yes. So. Yeah, they had. Uh, again, the, the exact numbers escaped me, but yeah, they leading up to that point had. Uh, multiple, you know, they opened multiple new facilities, but then also you know, expanded or at least increased you know, capacity within several others as well. So that was something that uh, you know, obviously you know, served them well. So with the um, with the post office, do you think shippers forgave them from uh, 2020? Maybe it's it's a uh, it's kind of hard to tell. I mean, there's uh, there's a couple of different, I guess, groups. If we go back to 2020, of kind of customer groups almost that that work with the postal service on the package side, and one of them is a very large contingent of small shippers. Mm-hmm. And and I think I don't want to speak for them. I don't know if they forgave the postal service, but I'll just say that uh, often the postal service is the Let's say the most economical uh, uh, carrier to use. So, so I don't think those that group necessarily was in a position to to boot the postal service, uh, and so they probably in large numbers still worked with uh, with the USPS. Larger shippers, I think, for a couple of reasons, maybe didn't work with the postal service as much. You know, say the latter half of 2021 in, in peak season. One was, and I, I failed to mention this. Um, 
about the 2020 fiasco with the Postal Service is they were inundated with volume. Yeah. Uh, and it was a spillover kind of release valve type thing where uh, UPS, FedEx, and others were really constrained on capacity, and then shippers just literally <laughs> dumped a volume on the Postal Service. And I don't think that happened in in this past you know, uh, holiday season. And and so in that way, then, um, it didn't happen because large shippers probably didn't need to do that. So uh, whether there's an element of forgiveness, I don't know, or they just they had other carriers in place. But either way, um, I, I don't think that the, the 2020 performance, if it Im- impacted the customer base for the Postal Service, that already happened before peak of 2021. They already made their decisions to to uh, not forgive them, maybe. Uh, so peak, I don't think really impacted that much this year. Okay. So and then um, UPS's strategy of better not bigger mm-hmm. still um, impacting the market, I guess, where they're really picking and choosing more the more profitable shipments. They are. They are, and and I think. Uh, that has served them well, mm-hmm. probably will continue to for a while. Um, I would say indefinitely at this point almost, but, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, the, the better, not bigger and, and being very focused on, like you, you said, certain volume segments or, or customer segments that are, um, maybe higher margin makes complete sense. Uh, it's interesting though, that the, you know, the commentary that, that they often, put out in the market and FedEx does too is about the, the total capacity constraints, right? So from total capacity, as far as all parcel carriers and that there's more demand in the form of package volume, than there is um, total capacity on a given day, really continuously. Um, and UPS uh, that has certainly worked to their favor. Um, but we'll see going forward, uh, how long that narrative will sustain. Uh, it was interesting. Now I'll, I guess, throw ship matrix back out there. They do get, you know, data out in the, uh, public forum quite a bit is, uh, you know, I think it was last, so 2020 peak season, there was uh, an estimated, and this is, you know, ship matrix, I think seven to eight million package, uh, daily shortfall, meaning more packages than capacity. Yeah. Um, and I believe then throughout the 2021, it was kind of cited a couple of times, UPS mid-year, June-ish, kind of reiterated that number they thought would be the case for 2021. Uh, Ship Matrix, I believe, brought that down a little bit at some point in Q3 and said, ah, maybe about 5 million shortfall. Uh, and then at some point, I want to say it was November, so into peak, uh, Ship Matrix revised that and said about 1.3 million. Of a, of a shortfall. And so better, not bigger has, has served UPS. Well, it probably will, uh, for a while, but if that number continues to shrink, whether it's accurate or not, um, at some point they might actually have to compete a little bit. Uh, but not anytime soon, I think. Okay. So, and there's other carriers out there. You also have the regionals, correct? Mm-hmm. And we heard what, Right before the holiday peak season, that two of the biggest, uh, laser ship and on track were merging. Yes. Yes. It, uh, 
I believe the, the transaction was a, an acquisition of on track by Lasership. Okay. Um, but, and it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. I think that has advantages where, where it can uh, over time. Mm-hmm. So right now it, it might not because uh, they've got two separate networks. On track is covers the West Coast and Lasership covers the East Coast and a, a fair amount of the, the Midwest. I mean, even Southeast as well. So, um, but uh, I think there's a a long way to go before I'll just say Lasership at this point uh, is a um, a national carrier in, in any way, and so. You know, there might be short-term opportunities to connect just in literal terms that the two networks from a, you know, line haul perspective. But, um, you know, I think they can certainly be a viable option as they have been separately for uh, retail shippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that acquisition alone changes much in the short term. Uh, I think uh, there's, there's a statement maybe not too long after that occurred that, there's plans for additional acquisitions. Yeah. Um, technically, I guess it makes sense if there's service areas that aren't covered, but it's not exactly easy to uh, acquire and incorporate other providers into a network and make it efficient. So uh, I think that will be a challenge. Uh, so I don't think LaserShip and, and OnTrack together, and Kathy, I know you didn't say this, but I've seen it published, would be a, a third you know, player in the market. Um, so that's not happening anytime soon, if if ever. But I think they can still, from their own perspective, you know, grow volume and, and be a profitable carrier, just not a a huge national player at all. Yeah, I agree. I think they can certainly ruffle some feathers, but mm-hmm. as far as yeah, um, I, I think UPS and FedEx would probably go welcome to the club sure. instead of saying, oh, my gosh. Um, I know before the holiday season, you know, a number of these regional carriers were coming out saying, we're booked for the holiday mm-hmm. season. No more capacity from us. Have you heard anything about just overall how well they performed? Uh, I will say that I don't have a lot directly to draw on uh, from a, a data perspective, I mean, there's certainly nothing published, but, uh, you know, there was actually, so I'll take that back. There was a, one example that was published. Uh, it was uh, LaserShip. And uh, I think there was a, it was a Business Insider article that uh, basically cited that LaserShip had, for all intents and purposes, shut off their network, at least to, to very large shippers for a period of time. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure if it was reported, there's, there's, there's truth to it. Uh, but, that example isn't necessarily say this correctly here. I don't want to say it, it it happens all the time, but something like that isn't a surprise. It has nothing to do with necessarily laser ship and and their ability to execute. Regional carriers, um, you know, they're in an interesting position because largely a lot of their customer base are large shippers mm-hmm. uh, because those shippers have the volume to take advantage of a regional network. And uh, at times, though, those large shippers it can kind of, I don't want to say it'd be contentious, but it's interesting because those large shippers can uh, run their own line hauls into a regional carrier's network. And that's very different than UPS and FedEx who, who own that entire process, right, from a, a retailer's DC. 
And so it can happen where a retailer, I mean, they might have a capped amount of volume that they're supposed to ship with a regional carrier. But if they have a full line haul and it's ready to go, they're going to send it. And uh, regional carriers, they, they can turn it away if, if they choose, but uh, they may not be working with that retailer much longer after. It's just kind of an un, unfortunate reality of the circumstance. So, so I would say that that, that example um, doesn't necessarily reflect, in my opinion, certainly not all regional carrier performance. Lasership obviously has some issues, uh, but I do think you know regional carriers, the performance side, I don't have too much to um, you know hard facts to speak to. I will say that heading into peak, they were at capacity, mm-hmm. however you want to define that, and so that part, I'll say going forward, is not going to change. Uh, that just with the volume growth in the market, and the regional carriers getting certainly more. Uh, consideration uh, from shippers, yeah. they're going to have as much volume as they can handle. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I, I had, I, uh, personally, I, I had a couple of oops from laser ship over the holiday season. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was nothing major. You know, it all worked out. It's fine. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest lessons that came out of the 2020 um, holiday season was the need to diversify carriers, last yes. mile carriers. You know, it's all fine and dandy that you have both UPS and FedEx, but that year proved to everyone you needed more than just UPS and FedEx and the post office. Mm-hmm. And what better group of uh, delivery, last mile delivery providers to turn to uh, than the, the regionals? And I think a, a lot of them did um, end up going, uh, signing on, a lot of shippers signed on with those uh, regionals. And, and perhaps um, a lot more than the regionals expected, but, mm-hmm. uh, but they have benefited very well. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm glad to, to see that finally happening after all these years. Um, so we're now into the first quarter of a new year. And with it usually comes all kind of price rate increases, surcharges, and so on and so forth. So just looking at this first quarter, what are your expectations of the last mile market? Or what are you seeing, I should say? Sure. Well, I mean, uh, just the one of the things you mentioned was um, rate increases. So Mm -hmm. uh, with with parcel and, and even regional carriers, now the postal service as well, uh, those rate increases, of course, there's a, for lack of a better term, a general rate increase, which is you know, some of what you were referring to, right? It's kind of uh, depends on the carrier, late December, you know, early January. Um, so that, uh, of course, isn't going away. Uh, and, and retail shippers have incurred significant rate increases over the last two weeks. Um, so, that wasn't a surprise. It's been published for quite a while. Uh, but then also, uh, I'll just name UPS and FedEx specifically. They're going to continue with um, peak surcharges, uh, EPS. Demand as a, surcharges. As a, yes, they've renamed it to demand surcharges. Yes. <laughs> uh, which, of course, that, that's great. I mean, peak, peak surcharge technically was, I think, a, a misnomer because. Yes, it was. Uh, it was you know, confusing. Continuous peak. Um, I just started calling them 
differentiating between peak surcharge and holiday, air quotes, holiday peak surcharge. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so demand surcharges. Uh, so those are, are continuing and just from a market standpoint and pricing, UPS and FedEx are going to continue on the, the pricing trajectory that they've been on for the better part of, of two years mm-hmm. uh, until they don't have to. And, and I don't see that changing anytime soon, despite the fact there's plenty of, of alternative carriers in the market. But like we just talked about, uh, regionals as an example are, let's say, at capacity, but, but somewhat. Uh, and so, you know, the, the, this quarter, uh, from a, just a retail shipper standpoint, it's kind of my backgrounds where I tend to focus retail and e-commerce. Um, uh, it's, it's the time that you're going through, uh, peak hindsight, which needs to happen quickly because yeah. then you need to, to determine, uh, what adjustments you need to make to your program. Mm-hmm. And, and those conversations need to, to begin now. And then, uh, decisions need to be made before too long so that, uh, carriers can be onboarded. Uh, before they've already told everyone that they don't have any more capacity. Yeah. And so that's where I see the, the trend that, I don't know when it started necessarily, but we certainly saw it last year of alternative carriers, I guess, getting more attention. Mm-hmm. So, you know, more business, uh, which also means that uh, they are going to be you know, at capacity. They're at a, in a position to be more selective actually with, with whom they work or the volume they take on. That's going to continue, in my opinion, and that timeline is probably going to move, move up as far as when to have these carriers, you know, ready to go in your program. And so, uh, last year, uh, Lasership actually, I think in June said, Hey, you know, we're, we're closed for the season. Uh, but, you know, uh, but, you know, get in now for 2022 is kind of like a, a, a promo type thing. It was kind of funny, but I, I, I think that's going to be happening sooner. And so there's, there's really a need, um, now, uh, of, uh, very intentional action to review, uh, your carrier base, determine what adjustments need to be made and, and make that happen here in the next few months. Uh, it's not easy. Uh, I've been through it and, uh, and there's competing priorities as well, but I think it's, it's one of the most important things from a, an e-commerce standpoint that a company could do right now. Definitely. So retail shippers, do you think they'd be interested in using Walmart as um, their last mile provider? I, I Possibly. Sure. I mean, we've got the example of uh, Home Depot, right? This Home Depot and I think Chico's. Yes. Yeah. Also. And, and so Home Depot, I'll just, Kind of carry with that maybe yeah. example and then and answer it more broadly. Uh, but Home Depot makes perfect sense because of the nature of some of their products and the need I think for demand for same day delivery uh, because that's really the the niche I think right now that this is that Walmart uh, is it Go Local I think is that right Yes, it's Go Local. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, that that's that that's filling. Uh, you know, Chico's it kind of it's a broader topic of, of more like specialty retail or uh, retail same day delivery. To me, it's still, it's important. It's still a niche and uh, retailers, whether it's Chico's or the retail brands are, I think using that model, which is usually gig, mm-hmm. gig uh, driver based 
to explore same day and learn and determine how important it can be, how large of an opportunity. So, uh, so at this point, whether it's using Walmart's program or directly with DoorDash or Roadie or another, I think there's, um, there's validity there. Uh, I don't have insight necessarily into the Walmart program specifically about other retailers uh, position on it. Um, you know, Walmart, I think announced or when they made the announcement, of course, they said they've got a, you know, almost a backlog, right. Of, yeah. of several retailers that will be onboarded. So, so we'll see. Uh, I don't think it, the fact that it is Walmart offering it, um, in my opinion, necessarily uh, has too much of an impact on a retailer's consideration of using it. I think it's more about the, the service, the, the cost, you know, the, the economics around it, and if it would just fit with their program. Mm-hmm. Just some additional capacity that's out right. there. Interesting. Yeah, I know. And recently Walmart introduced their in-home delivery, which, okay, mm-hmm. first off, it sounds a wee bit creepy. Uh, <laughs> I'm not too sure I want strange people coming and restocking my refrigerator or coming in and dropping off a package. Right. Um, but it, I think what hit me with that particular service, and that is an extension to their, uh, to this last mile delivery strategy that they have, mm-hmm. is the fact that they're hiring what, 3,000, they're wanting to hire 3,000 associate, uh, delivery drivers. Yes. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I, I, I mean, I, I will say I'm not an expert on, uh, you know, I, I've not worked for a service provider and, and uh, things like that. So as far as uh, the feasibility of of taking employees from your associate base and then training them to be delivery drivers, I, I'm going to just, just assume Walmart knows what they're doing. I, I don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the... It's interesting, particularly when... Everyone across all industries are struggling with finding um, workers. Well, sure. here they can tap into their into their worker base already. And go, we'll pay you, I think, a dollar fifty more an hour, and we'll train you, and you know, to go right. forth and deliver. It's an interesting concept, and I believe Best Buy is also utilizing some of their uh, employees to do some last mile deliveries as well. Yeah, I, I, I think it may be a growing trend for, for retailers that do have a nice um, employee base. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely an interesting way to approach it. And if, yeah. I mean, if you look at it from a, um, just from a, a retention and kind of providing additional career opportunities, it makes sense. Uh, you, yeah. Like you mentioned, it's it's difficult for everyone right now to, uh, whether it's uh, employee drivers or it's more so like independent contractors, mm-hmm. uh, it's just very difficult to, to retain, um, you know, hire. So that that might you know be one of the uh, advantages for for Walmart to to go about it that way. Uh, the service itself is interesting. Like you said, a little creepy. It's I'm not the, the target customer. I hardly I'm not like, buy anything. So, uh, but. <laughs> Um, so I don't know about that, but the, the coverage, I mean, it's not just that obviously they'll, if there are packages, like you mentioned to be delivered, they'll deliver those. Uh, I haven't heard anything about this. It was mentioned very briefly in, I think the, 
the press release about also then collecting or picking up returns. Yeah. And um, it, it just reminded me, and I don't even recall how long ago this was now, when sometime last year when Walmart announced like free returns pickup in partnership, I think, with FedEx at, at uh, customers' homes. They announced it, and I didn't hear anything else about it. Yeah. And I'm assuming it, I mean, it's incredibly expensive. I don't care what kind of rates that uh, Walmart has in place with FedEx. And so uh, I have to think that this is also just one other way to utilize assets to where you're not having a driver, whether it's a third party or your own, make a stop for one package. Exactly. So, uh, so, you know, there's got to be some benefits there. We'll, we'll see uh, if the, um, the, the receptiveness to the, like the, the creepy factor, if that, <laughs> that's a prohibitor or not. I, I can't relate to it. So I don't know what the, the market opportunity is, but uh, access to what 30 million households, I think is what uh, the coverage is supposed to be. So mm-hmm. that's not small. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I think they said they're growing from six million. So I mean, they already have like six million households mm-hmm. that have subscribed to this service. So must be working for them, and and good for them. So um, we can't have a con- um, a conversation like this. And I know we're running short on time here, but I do want to throw out Amazon because um, Amazon and their third quarter earnings back in the fall, they were also struggling with finding enough workers. And mm-hmm. there were delays um, across their net, scattered across their network. It's very similar to like FedEx, scattered mm-hmm. delays, depending. Um, do you see them finally um, returning to that, uh, the trial that they abandoned back in 2020 when they were actually uh, delivering, um, uh, becoming a third-party delivery provider, going up against UPS and FedEx. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure. I, I think I'm kind of in the. I don't know, in the minority on this one, in saying that I, I don't think Amazon will make this grand entrance into the parcel or package delivery market at scale to disrupt the whole UPS and FedEx model. Uh, I suppose if that's what they decided to do, then they would do it. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think there's much of anything that Amazon would have as, as an objective that they can't do. I just don't think they need to. Um, if in isolated pockets uh, mm-hmm. where it serves a purpose for them to have uh, you know, other you know, third-party shippers have volume from those companies to – improve the the cost economics maybe on in certain like very specific lanes and volume segments i can see that uh, but otherwise um you know definitely not at, at scale and it's with with amazon too i don't think so i don't think they need to do that uh, and there's a couple other things that come with that too is if it would open up the network broadly speaking to hundreds or even thousands of of retailers at some point uh, that has the opportunity to, to disrupt uh, their, what seems to be almost perfect data. So they have control of everything and visibility. They being Amazon from, you know, the, the seller, the, the forecasting, the demand, the inventory all the way through delivery. And FedEx and UPS and third party carriers don't. 
It's, mm-hmm. it's variability. It's uncertainty. And if you in- introduce all of a sudden hundreds or thousands of different, uh, shippers who none of whom can forecast, I'll just say that it doesn't matter who it is. I'll tell you, uh, then, then that's going to disrupt, uh, the efficiency that they have. Uh, so I don't think that will, will happen in that way. I think the other way just continue with Amazon is, is how they're you know, different, say, from other carriers is that they have the ability to create their own density. Mm-hmm. And so they, especially when they open a, whether it's the delivery center, you know, that can create density because now you're unlocking more volume that is available, items available for one day or, or maybe two day prime in, in rural areas. And so they, it, it feeds itself. They, they now have more volume that they're going to create from a demand standpoint to substantiate that uh, new sort center. Uh, nobody else has that. So long answer, <laughs> but I don't think there's this grand entrance into the market. If they they open it up selectively, then yeah, so be it. Yeah, I think you're right. It makes what you say makes a lot of sense, and and they're going to do it on their terms, like you say. Exactly. I mean, It'll be different because yes. one is different. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Well, Nate, I kept you quite a while here. A little longer. That's okay. But I sure did appreciate the conversation. I think it was a good conversation. Agreed. And, um, and so with that, I, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. And um, again, please be sure and check out aircargoworld.com for um, all kind of articles on air, air freight, air cargo, my weekly column that comes out on Fridays usually. Nate, please check out Nate's link. Follow Nate on LinkedIn. There you go. Yes. And, um, I, I appreciate it. And um, yeah. So with that, thank you again. And we'll chat. We'll chat again. All right. Great. Thanks, Gabby. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye-bye.